squirrel. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day, free on all platforms, five days a week. And why not make your second listen? Locked on Hawks, where you'll hear our today's guest, Brad Roland. Brad, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, sir. Always happy to talk to you. All right. Before we get into it, we're going to talk all about John Collins and trades and all that stuff. I want to remind my listeners that Locked On is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. Stay tuned later in the show to find out how to enter and what all that means because it's fun. If you like NBA Jam, you're going to want to stick around. Brad, the reason we're here, the reason we joined each other today, you late, late at night in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and me uh, in the afternoon, the evening in Portland, is to talk about the trade rumors. There is a there has been so much connecting the dots from Mark Stein to uh, Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer to Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, connecting the Blazers and John Collins and the Atlanta Hawks. Let's just start macro. Why do the Hawks? Why are the Hawks looking to trade John Collins? It's really a great question. Uh, he seems to have been available for about two consecutive years right now. Uh, and quite honestly, I, I don't know why. I kind of I know why in that, you know, he's a very, um, he's kind of a throwback player. Like he's right. really good. Number one, he's really good. I want to say that out loud. John Collins is very good. He checks a lot of boxes that a lot of teams want, but he is, especially with the way that they are using him in Atlanta. I want to be clear about that as well. Um, he is basically an old school power forward with how they're using him. Uh, and those guys don't always exist anymore. There's only a handful of those players that still are playing. In some spots, he might be able to play some center. But with right. the Hawks, they have two really good centers already on their yeah. roster. So they don't—they have not really used him a lot. And, you know, without doing the whole backstory, they didn't want to pay him a ton of money, but they wanted to keep him around for the trade asset and all that fun stuff. So they paid him a decent amount. I think he's still on a decent contract. But it, it's never seemed like they were thrilled with the pairing of him and their centers. And I guess allocating money to a guy who, again, is kind of that old school power forward archetype. And a lot of teams don't really value that anymore. So it's a really interesting uh, situation. Are they just in a spot where after they maybe overachieved one season and then underachieved the following season, where they just feel pressure to make moves? Is that kind of the situation they find themselves in? It seems that way for sure. I, I think that they were pressured um, internally, externally to kind of run it back after right. their great season. And I think to a man, even publicly, it's it's been kind of striking locally and maybe even nationally how candid they have been from ownership on down about like how they shouldn't run it back. They've been very <laughs> open about that. And they're like, this is, this is a mistake and we're not going to do it again kind of thing. So it's like, there's definitely a tenor of we are going to do something different. Like that's what I've been saying on my podcast for a while is like, I don't know what they're going to do, but it'll be different than last year. They're not going to run it back again. It's not happening. And it seems like Collins is like the most frequently discussed trade piece, but they're going to do something different. And there is that, there's definitely that pressure, that impetus to change it up. And it seems like he is the flashing target right now. Yeah. It's, it's, he's the name from your perspective. Like, do they need to do this? No, I don't think so. I mean, in a vacuum, you would never decide that John Collins and Clay Capella should play together. Right. That's the thing. I think it's actually worked pretty well and without going crazy to the numbers, like I think it's worked better people, people realize that it's worked, but honestly, Collins has been the player they've asked to make the changes that other guys haven't had to make. Like he's been the one that's had to change his game. He's had to become more of a role player in what they want to do. Um, 
he's been a better defender now, which is actually helpful for his overall value, but he's picking and popping more than he used to. He's, uh, he's an elite pick and roll guy, but they have other guys in his way. They have guys in the knucker spot all the time. So I think archetypally, you could certainly say that like, it's not a great fit, but he's also really good. And for me, they don't have to, like, it's not going to offend me if they trade John Collins for a reasonable return. But if I'm in that building, I'm not going to be pounding the table that says we have to move John Collins. That, that's not where I am. I'm sure there are some Hawks fans that want that. And I'm sure there are people in the front office that might want that. If it was me, I would not be eager to do it. Yeah. I mean, he's 24 and like, good. Good. <laughs> exactly. Good. I'm with you. I, I, so like, I get it. And from the outside, it's like, well, they have to do something. And it seems like, you know, getting rid of Cam Reddish was the first something that they did. Um, there's this push between what do they do with a Kongwu who's like a really darn good backup center and, and Capella, um, you know, they maybe had too many players and they're waiting for a consolidation trade, but it doesn't necessarily seem like that's what they're angling for. And that's what I want to, or at least from the reporting, I, I don't know yeah. what Travis Schlenk is going to do, but at least from the <laughs> reporting, they don't look, uh, they don't look like they're consolidating. They're more trading for more young, more parts, more stuff. Um, the Hawks leaders, leaders in the East and stuff. They've got a lot of stuff. Um, I want to talk about the package. I want to talk about the specifics of a Blazers trade package and what it might look like in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell our listeners about Built Bar. You know what I was snacking on earlier this week was a Rocky Road Built Bar. And I have, I've talked up a, a, a lot of game about Built Bar in the two and a half years that Built Bar has been asking me to talk up Built Bar. Rocky Road might be the winner. It's a, it's just a wonderful flavor. I've been a peanut butter brownie guy, um, and this is that same sort of fudgy, chocolatey wonderfulness. Pa still packing a punch. 17 grams of protein. It's like a candy bar, except that it fuels you for your day. So if you do have to hop on a cross <laughs> cross continent conference call and um, you know make some audio content, what better way to do that when with, with a built bar in your belly? So why don't you go to built.com right now? Check out. Check out the Rocky Road flavor, strong recommend, or whatever flavors you might find there. You'll find something for your palate because I got pl plenty to offer. And use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's keep talking about John Collins. I'm here with Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks. Or if you're listening on Locked on Hawks, I'm Mike Richmond of Locked on Blazers, still chatting, chatting right here away. Uh, this is the crossover event of a lifetime. Everyone's been waiting for it. The rumored package that the that the Portland and the Hawks might end up uh, might end up agreeing to or something similar to it is something akin to the Blazers' number seven overall pick, the Blazers' 36th pick in the NBA draft, for John Collins and maybe 16. Let's start there. Seven and 36 for Collins and 16. One, it does not work legally, so they're going to have to add some more stuff to it to make it work. But let, let's start with that as a framework. What do you? How do you feel about that, Brad? It's really interesting. I, I think that in a vacuum, Collins and seven have pretty similar value in my mind. Now, you can find yourself on either, on either side of that, um, depending on what you want to see. If you're high on Collins, you might think that's not enough for him if you don't love this draft. Um, if you are someone who is valuing the contract and there is a lot of value in having four years of pretty cheap team control on a number seven overall pick, um, you know, that's I would say those guys are roughly equivalent. You can certainly go either way on that. Um, if it gets into being Collins and 16 for seven and, you know, 30, it's, it's, a, it's a I actually value picks in the 30s by more than most. But in the Certainly grand scheme, more than the Hawks, it, it's second round. Pick. Exactly. I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks don't seem to care about second round picks really at all. 
So that's another thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that is um, in a vacuum, a relatively appropriate trade package. I would not be running out of, uh, of, of my seat to trade Collins, especially Collins plus for seven. But I think it's documented. I'm a little higher on Collins than the consensus. And I'm also a little bit confused, as I'm sure you probably are, about like what the Hawks are trying to do. Just what, because, yeah. you know, the number seven all pick, is a, it's a good pick. It's a valuable pick. I'm sure you've been talking about guys that the Blazers could draft with that pick for a while. But in this class, it's not like a sweet spot pick. I mean, this is not like a seven-player draft. And you know, you're going to get one of those guys. It's like kind of a consensus fall off after four or five. So right. it's, it's like, what, where do you want to land in the draft? And if you're the Hawks, that player isn't going to probably help you win this year. And there's some win now pressure. So, oh, and also one of the curveballs that I've been saying on my podcast for a while is that um, I think the Hawks don't want to pay the tax. And they're saying the other thing, as most owners do, but it will, it will, it will smell a little bit to me if they turn John Collins and his $25 million-ish salary into a draft pick. Into uh, cheaper salary Into slots. much cheaper salaries. So all that stuff. I'm not saying that's the reason, but that probably is a sweetener if you are ownership trying to avoid the luxury tax as well. So all that said, to answer your question in a long way, my apologies, uh, it's, a, it's an appropriate trade package. I would not be thrilled with that, especially for throwing in 16, but I, I do get it. Do you think, do you think that's realistic from a Hawks perspective? Like, I think, like, do you think that's something that they would do? Because it's like, what my question is, and I think you just kind of touched on a little bit, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? Yeah. And why would this be the other than the cash is why would this make sense for them? I think the optimistic reading, if, and I'll present, I'm good at presenting the other side. I, I, love, I, think it. I love it. Would, it. I think it would be that you kind of reset a little bit. You add another young player, another young cheap player with upside to your roster and you kind of lay out your money long-term a little bit better because you don't have to pay that guy for three or four years. Right. Um, whereas Collins is already, and I think just to put, put this on the record, I think Collins is appropriately paid. Um, I think it's a totally fine contract. He's making yeah, for, real money for, now. For those listening, 25, 23 and a half million heading into this season, 25 and, and 0.3 in 23, 24, then 26, six, and then a player option for 26, six. Starters, yeah. starter money is like 20 million. He's probably an above average starter. That's above average starter money. Like there that's you exactly go. That's exactly what that is. Exactly. It's not, it's not a, it's no longer a heist situation. Like you would be on a rookie, on a rookie deal. But um, I think that for people that haven't watched a lot and also don't realize that the cap is going to be rising, especially when you get to the later point of that, of, uh, with a new TV deal and all that stuff, it, that might look like a pretty good contract by the end of right. it. Um, right. So anyway, I, I kind of see that as like a neutral value on the contract. He's a really good player. So it's, uh, I think the, what you'd be doing is just number one, changing something. Number two, uh, adding to your youth pipeline down the line. And also, you know, maybe you have a plan for that number seven, I'll pick. Maybe there's someone that you're absolutely in love with that, you know, you can't get at 16, or maybe you have a plan to flip somebody else and you have a power forward, you have your island somewhere around the league. Um, it's pretty interesting as to why they would do it, but I have to think, especially knowing Travis Schlenk, is he's more of a scout GM than a process GM. He's one of those old school, like eye test scout guys. He, he must like somebody. Other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't see why you do this unless you have a guy or maybe two guys that you are like, all right, if those guys are there. We'll do this. And if not, we won't beyond that. I don't really understand like the process part of it. Collins has been on the market for two years Do him and Trey young, not like each other. Is that part of this? It got a little bit out there. I think it was two, yeah, two years ago before, before they went on the run, there was a little bit of a reported spat, but like from all indications that I understand they're fine. They, they may not be like best friends off the court, but I don't think this is, that's a reason they have really good chemistry on the court. 
I think a lot of that got overblown in the moment because they were losing and it's just one of those like normal things that happens. But no, I mean, it's actually kind of refreshing to even hear about it. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I think they're fine. I I, I really don't think that it wouldn't stun me if they weren't like best friends again, but that's not a reason to move him. I think more of the reason would be like, listen, John may not be thrilled with this new role either. That's the other part that gets under discussed is that he's the guy who's been sacrificing. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. I don't know. That, that, there might be some internal pressure from, from his side as well. He's not like demanded to trade or anything, but maybe he wouldn't mind that. They went through a long contract battle last summer and sometimes right. there's bad blood from those two. So no, I think that's not, that's not a reason for it, even if they're probably not like super tight. Yeah. I was kind of thinking along the lines of the Chris Epps trade where I don't think him and Luca were uh, pals, but I don't think they were enemies, but eventually, you know, separating them kind of freed up um, the young creative offensive genius to do everything he wanted. And the Hawks certainly have one of those. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's better than that. I, mean, I th- there was a lot more reported friction between Luca and Chris Stapps, even if it wasn't right. like a full on flight than Colin. I, I think Colin's younger in a better spot than that from what I understand, but I understand the theory of it. Like maybe you just move on. And also just, again, the, the fit stuff, because ideally you wouldn't want John Collins next to a non-shooting center and the Hawks have two of those. Yeah. Also, can I say sorry for your listeners for bringing up Luka Doncic? No, it's okay. Uh, Listen, uh, for a long, long time, I couldn't even tweet about Luka because nothing, it doesn't matter. But no, it's actually kind of crossed my fingers. It's kind of cooled off. Like the venom quite isn't quite there. I think both sides are okay. Like Hawks fans love Trey Young, so they're okay with it now. And uh, they don't hate Luke as much as they used to. For as you well know, like there was a two years of just like a blood feud between the two. Yeah, franchises. you couldn't. You had to mention them both. You couldn't if you talk mention about one. It. You had to mention the other one for whatever. I mean, I and know. Now it's okay. I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. 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 I was. I was worried that if you, you know, if you, if this is your listeners catch wind of this podcast, which they very, they very, uh, they might. <laughs> They'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, at at Mike G Rich on Twitter. Um, there you go. <laughs> don't please don't be please be nice. Um. I want to ask you about fit and stuff with the Blazers. Uh, let's do that in the second segment. But first, let's talk about NBA Jam. You play NBA Jam, Brad? Have you played NBA Jam in your time? Oh, yeah. Big NBA Jam guy. It's been a while, but I'm uh, I'm definitely in on that process. Well, good news. It's back. An arcade one-up. The leader in home retro arcade games is not only bringing back the best game ever, but they've made it bigger than ever with the Shack Edition machine. Listen, uh, if you are of a certain age, you've played a ton of NBA Jam, as Brad and I are. It's just the greatest arcade video game that there is. And now you could bring it into your home uh, with the Shack Edition. Uh, and here's how it works. Pre-order right now to get one of these machines, a real retro arcade gaming machine for your house at arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one, up.com. Estimated early September ship date it's the place for fun arcade one up not only do they have the shack edition of nba jam but they've got golden tee they got mortal Kombat, and a bunch of other retro games all starting at 399 dollars but it gets better because they're giving away an nba jam shack edition to a locked on listener and you can enter for a chance to win a game console for your home at arcade one up.com slash locked on that's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on you've got till july 8th to enter to win that nba NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. We are still chatting with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. And we're still talking all things John Collins. Demon Deacon legend for my ACC <laughs> listeners. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, Brad. What is John Collins? 
Like, yeah, what, it's it, it's interesting, uh, especially if you go by like the public perception of him. And honestly, it was accurate early in his career. I would be the first to tell you that as a rookie or maybe a second year guy, he was a really bad defender yeah. in college. And he's really not anymore. Like he's not Draymond Green defensively, but he's totally fine. And I think if you just like don't watch the Hawks, and listen, they're not always on national TV. It's not like Blazers fans are dialing up the Hawks every night. And I totally yeah. get that. Game started at four o'clock. We're still at work. I am here to tell you that John Collins is not a bad defender anymore. He used to be, don't get me wrong. He used to be, he's not anymore. Again, he's not like a lockdown guy, but he's totally fine. He's got good, like secondary stuff, like rim protection as a four. He's, he's a big four. I mean, right. For modern fours, like he's got good size. He's good rebounder at the four as well. Uh, and then offensively, like he's one of the five best pick and roll dive men in the league. I mean, just that role. He's really, really good at it. He hasn't, had, he hasn't had a chance to do it as much the last year and a half since they had since they got Capella in there. But he's really a dynamic role guy. He could also shoot it a little bit, and that's allowed them to use him that way. And um, again, same thing. Not not an elite shooter, but a good shooter, like a high thirty three point shooter on decent volume the last couple seasons. Um, so yeah, he does a lot of things well. His passing's improved the last couple seasons, and it really is as I'm trying as I'm saying it out loud. I'm I'm reminded of this. He doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Like he's not uber elite and anything other than being a dive man his dive man stuff is truly elite but he's just like pretty good at almost everything else he's not like super flawed other than he's just kind of a throwback player but that, that's a good synopsis i think of what he is if you have more questions i'm happy to answer them but that's that's the overarching uh, situation with Collins. could he play center for 70 games in the nba uh i think he could play center but you would need a special kind of four next to him I think for the most part, I actually used to think he was going to be a center coming out and early Me in his too, career. to be honest. Yeah. And I, I think that um, it would cost him a lot of pounding. He's just not that big. And the way that he plays, and one thing that you would love about him, if you, if the Blazers were to trade for him, he's, he, he plays super hard. He's got yep. a great motor. He always plays hard, but it could, the miles will pile up on that a lot if he's playing full-time center, I think. And then defensively, as much as I think he's a pretty solid player, he's not an anchor defensively. He's not he's not right. a primary rim protector that you would be in love with. If you had a great number, uh, if you had a great four next to him defensively, uh, pick out the guy, whichever guy you want to choose. Well, spoiler: the Blazers definitely don't have that. Right. But in any case, so, yeah, I think he can play uh, play the five. But I would be personally, if I'm looking into like ideal stuff for Collins or even how it would look in Portland, start him at the four and he can play twelve minutes at the five. That kind of thing. Like he can play five for you in certain lineups for sure. I wouldn't be running out to uh, starting up to start him full time at the five unless I had a great um, partner next to him. He, if he were here, he would most likely play next to Yusuf Nurkic or uh, whoever, whomever else <laughs> occupies that spot. But Nurk, yeah. Nurk probably, sure. um, something like you know seventy percent chance Nurk. What are his fit issues when he's played next to Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongwu? What are his fit issues with sort of like those traditional limited range fives? The biggest thing is that it doesn't let him do the best thing that he does, which is the dive stuff as much. Um, but credit to him. And this is an underrated thing in my mind. He's made it work and it's really been him making it work because he's, he's become a really good pick and pop guy. He can make that shot. Um, but limitation wise, he's not a great, like um, short roll passer. He's gotten better at that, but he's not a great, like for, if you just put him in the, in the, in the bucket alongside like modern NBA fours, a lot of whom are really at converted threes. He might be a below average ball handler and creator for that, for that archetype, um, which can help can sort of hold you back a little bit. 
And honestly, in a vacuum, you wouldn't want him to stay at three point line all the time. Like he's had to right. do a lot of that, but that's not his best thing. So if you're playing him next to Nurk, for instance, Nurk's a good passer, as you know, but right. there's like, it, so there's, there's maybe some of that high low stuff that's not been there with the Hawks so that might like that a little bit more, but in general, the best way to use him is to have him with a runway to the rim and Nurk's kind of, that's kind of where Nurk lives. So that's a limitation, but he has made it work in Atlanta. So you at least have proof of concept there. Yeah, I mean, really good pick and roll point guard and a center in his way is a very familiar spot for him. You would right be in. used to that. Yes, <laughs> he would fit right in. Uh, let's let's just get down to it. You are Travis Slink or whatever. You're working in the office. <laughs> you get the call from the Blazers, and it's seven thirty six. And Eric Bledsoe to make the money work. Eric Bledsoe uh, on the last year of his deal. It's partially guaranteed, but I believe how it works is if he gets traded, it'll be fully guaranteed. But let's say you get. That's your Delon Wright. You've got that. You got your new Delon Wright. It's a long armed, another long armed uh, backup point guard. Seven. Eric Bledsoe in thirty six for John Collins in sixteen. Are you taking it? I would not do that personally. There uh, you go. Especially, uh, especially if um, like I actually didn't check this, so I should have. If Bledsoe becomes guaranteed, it's even worse. Not that yeah. he's a bad, like a terrible player, but that's a lot of money for Eric Bledsoe uh, in a yeah. vacuum. Like you know, uh, value wise, you wouldn't necessarily love that. And again, I, I'm a little higher on Collins than some. So that's just my opinion. Uh, would the Hawks do that? I'm not sure. They might. I mean, there might be some urgency there for them to do that. Maybe they like Bledsoe as like the guy who can kind of what you said, fill that role for them and check that box and, you know, long term, save a bunch of money. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, I think it's pretty obviously has to be Bledsoe for salary matching purposes. Um, the dream, if you are just married to a Collins Blazers deal, would be to like try to snag Josh Hart if you're the Hawks. Um, as part of that move, obviously Josh Hart has real value. So I'm not saying that it would just be Josh Hart in place of Bledsoe, right? But if that's what, that's what uh, candidly, I love Josh Hart. So that's part of my, uh, yeah, and he's, the Hawks he's easy looking, to root for. He's fun. He's easy to root for. And the Hawks are looking for those like two way wing guys, like everybody else is. Um, that would be the way my counter, if I was the Hawks in that situation would be like, okay, what's the deal got to be to have, to have it be seven and Josh Hart. And maybe that's the construction is like, maybe it's, the, maybe the Hawks have to throw in something else and it's. Collins 16 and something else for seven and Josh Hart, that kind of thing, because that's a question I have for you. Like, what are the Blazers trying to do? Obviously they probably want to keep Josh Hart because he's good, right. um, but that, that he's the only other guy, as you well know, on the roster that can probably match salary with. So it's kind of has to be one of those two guys. They want to be blown. So I'm asking, I'm asking for Hart. It's one of those famous negotiations. Yeah. I think that's where the hangup is, right. Is that the Blazers, they have this salary match point guard. That's like, not, like Eric Bless is not very good. Um, <laughs> he's, he's definitely at a minimum, he's not worth $19.3 million. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it's, if, if the Hawks do want to get cheaper, it's a way that you could make it happen down the line, right. Is that you get out from under something like 50, at least 50 million, if not $75 million owed to John Collins. For sure. That could be a motivator for them. But if they also want to be good, uh, most teams are trying to accomplish twin goals, be as good as possible for as little money as possible. Shout out to the warriors. Um, <laughs> Like it's, it is, you know, then, then maybe, maybe that's not, not the plan, but it's like, does, if you say, okay, Josh Hart, but you have to give up DeAndre Hunter, the Hawks are going to balk at they're that. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Right. No the Hawks, do that. You know, so, it's like, yeah, oh, bogey. I mean, is it bogey? Could you get bogey and, and Collins? Probably not. I, right. I, I kind of don't good. think so. Yeah. Right. I, and that's, you know, I'm sure you've had the same conversations I've had with, um, with people on, on the Portland side that I've had with people on the Hawks side. And it's like, if you're eager and that's what, what, that's what we don't know. Like, what is Travis Schlenk or Tony Ressler as the owners 
uh, where, where's their eager level on getting on, on just doing this move, being in love with someone at seven, wanting to get off of Collins. If they're eager to do it, I could see it maybe happening. And I right. wouldn't love that construction, but it wouldn't stun me if that deal happened for me. I'm, you have to treat Bledsoe like negative salary because that's yep. what he is on that. And that makes the deal look worse. And you're throwing a 16 too. Like maybe, maybe the deal is Collins and something besides 16 for right. Bledsoe and seven. Um, Cause 16, well, like this is not a draft that I'm terribly excited about. Um, that's still a good pick. I mean, it's a mid first round pick that, that's got value to it. So maybe that's, maybe that's the, that's the spot that you tweak and you turn that into something else. The Hawks right. have a bunch of seconds. They have, they have uh, a future pick from Charlotte, whatever you want to do. Like there's a way to do that as well to kind of bridge the gap. Again, I'm probably the wrong guy. If you want the answer of like, please trade me John Collins. Cause I like no, John no. Collins a lot, but I get it. I mean, there, there are people all over the place in Atlanta about this deal. And it kind of depends on your valuation of John Collins at the end of the day. Yeah, I think for me, it's the value here is hearing someone say, no, that package stinks or that package doesn't it, entice me. It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't stink. It doesn't. I mean, that, it really depends for me. I'm probably lower on the value of seven in this class too than other than other people are because I like some guys that they can get at that, at that spot. Like I'm a Dyson Daniels guy. I mean, AJ Griffin, if he's there, whatever it is. What but if that, Shane Sharp fell there? I don't even know if that helps me. Like, right, okay. He's just he might he might box. be he might yeah. be the name that is kind of like the sexy okay be. you've got this For sure. high upside mystery man and it's not it's not a sexy answer but it's very possible especially knowing Travis a little bit like he might have a guy that he wants and this might be a discussion they're having at number four in the draft and right. that guy goes at, and that guy that guy goes at five and that's off the table now like we don't want to do the deal anymore if you're the Hawks or I don't know that might be the case because for me I, like in it it's a vacuum thing like. Will, will this deal happen today? I kind of think not because if you're the Hawks, don't you have to know who's going to be there? I agree. I think this, I think this pick happens at five, right? Like at, at yeah. four, five, six, you start to say, okay, if, if Daniels is there, if Keegan Murray is there, if AJ Griffin is there, whoever it might be, whoever the guy is. Yeah. AJ Griffin kind of seems like a Hawks, a Hawks draft pick. And can, candidly, um, if I, you know, put myself in this, in the shoes of Travis, if there was one guy that I would want in that range, my guy would be Griffin because he has the combination of upside and all the things that you would want, former top prospect, et cetera. Right. Um, Daniels would be the next guy for me, but I think Griffin would be the guy if I had to do this. So like, okay, one guy that I love, he would be the one for me, but I have no idea who Travis this guy is. It was reported the other day that it was, that it's Daniels from Jake Fisher. Right. I like, and I like Daniels, but he's a little bit interesting in terms of like, can he even shoot? Like you're, you're trading for a guy who maybe can't shoot at seven and like Trey, I need I don't some, know, needs a, a ball in his hands next to Trey Young. The thing is, Trey Trey's going to make anybody good on offense. Like he just he he's is. just going to drag him across the finish line because he's so darn good and creative and he's 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 just a wonderful passer. <laughs> he gets you open because he's so darn good at it. So like they can yep. get away with some non shooters, but do you trade up to seven to get someone who's a weird fit? It's all it's it's um. I don't know. I, I think this whole thing is, I think it's a good exercise in kind of figuring out what's, what each side wants. The, the, the sweetener the Blazers have is they have this 2025 20, bucks pick that they got from CJ McCollum uh, from the McCollum trade. What a, what a freaking win. What a windfall. <laughs> you get the 2025 20, Milwaukee bucks pick. Um, it, theoretically, that's the sweetener to push this over the top, right? Is that you say, okay, it's, it's Bledsoe, but you get an extra first. The question is, yeah. do the Hawks want a 2025 first for their troubles, or do they want someone who can help in the more immediate future because 2025 feels like a long way away for a team that's going to have to make a lot of decisions between now and then? 
Yeah, one of the I actually got an interesting email about this from a from a listener who was smart. It was actually a great email. But like one of the constructions was like, would the Hawks be trying to get Nas Little in the deal? And right. and that's maybe maybe a similar value to what you're saying about that future pick. I'm not saying he's exactly the same, but like a guy that they yeah. probably evaluated closely when he was a draft pick. Um, interesting has had some flashes and is that forward that everybody wants that can you know be athletic and defend and all that stuff. So m- maybe it's something like that, or maybe they, maybe it's Keon Johnson or whatever it is. Like yeah, maybe there's a sweetener. I'm, the I'm back half of the Blazers roster, it's it's like it's Josh Hart and Nas. That's kind of what I think too. He's the and only then it's guy, like really. yeah, and then like then it gets there's a big pretty steep drop off to you know Justice Winslow, but you know you never know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was just thinking like even salary matching you I, you can't even get there. Like I, I was trying to no, do the math on like when, on like Winslow Little and something else. It's just not enough. Like there's not no, enough. No, yeah, it's exactly. Bledsoe, it's Bledsoe, Hart, or bust. That's yeah, exactly exactly. And I think that as we've kind of talked through here. Hawks are probably going to say no on Jess Bledsoe and the Blazers are probably going to be wary of including Hart because he's their value here. And if you trade yeah. Hart and seven and you end up with John Collins and Tari Eason or whatever, like, is your team better? <laughs> I, think, well, yeah, I, think, I mean, and ultimately I'm sure you talk about it all the time when you're on your show, but like, what are the Blazers trying to do as part of this too? Like, I, right. I don't know. They want to be good. I mean, they want to yeah. be good. They want Dame wants them to go for it, which is why they're targeting veterans with seven. Exactly. And if you're doing that, you want you want to keep Josh Hart because Josh Hart's good and can help you he's win a, now. He's so, a player who would be better on a good team than on a bad team. Sorry to the Lakers. That is the interesting part about this whole thing is that you have one team that's trying to win now that has the seventh pick, which is not usually how that works. Right. And the Hawks are theoretically a win now team that would be making a non-win now move by doing this deal. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. Does it happen? Yes or no? Just give me your prediction. I kind of always say no to these things. Like, Me too. There's just, there's just too many. There's too many moving parts. Again, it it should not surprise anyone if this if this kind of deal happens between these two teams. There's just a, there's a lot of buzz about it. But I, I kind of, it, especially on a deal that I haven't heard directly on, it's like I'm going to default to no until until it happens. It's just that's just the nature of the beast. With how many you've seen you've seen it now with the way the way we're talking. There's just so many little little things that can derail a deal that I uh, I kind of have to defer to no. But again, it wouldn't shock me. My guess is whenever this stuff comes out like 10 days beforehand, it always falls apart because it's like, this yeah. is the early stages. Like if you hear about it two weeks before the draft and everybody's got it, you know, every, you know, four <laughs> different newsbreakers got it. It's like the type of thing that's going to fall apart. I said that on my show literally yesterday. I was like, listen, just as a reminder, most of the time deals that get out like this don't happen. Like they don't, especially when they are not, they're not being progressed. It's like the same rumor. It's not like it's like going piece by piece. A lot of these like long-term deals is like, okay, right. now this is part of the deal. Now this right. is part of the deal. This is just a construction. It's not like been reported as a full on, this is the deal kind of rumor. It's still in the like hypothetical, we've discussed this kind of range. And usually those deals don't necessarily happen. Yeah. Unless it's Anthony Davis hijacking a franchise. Uh, that's, <laughs> those are the ones that, that, that is get different. Yeah, exactly. And that, and John Collins not hijacking a franchise, just chilling, waiting to he maybe find a, waiting to find a new team. Brad, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on. Or if uh, if you're listening on the Hawks feed, thanks for having me. I it was it <laughs> yes, was a well, fun welcome, Mike. Fun chat. It was a fun chat. Uh, dear listeners, if you're looking for me, Locked On Blazers is available wherever you get podcasts. So is Locked On Hawks. All platforms on YouTube, five days a week, every single freaking weekday. And it's always free. So why not start your mornings listening to one of our shows and then make your second listen the other one. If you're a, if you're a Blazers fan, listen to Locked on Blazers and then check out a Locked on Hawks to kind of get the inside of what Collins is. And if you're a Hawks fan, peep Locked on Blazers. We're rolling along every single weekday. Brad, thanks again for joining me. My pleasure, sir. Thanks for having me. Dear listeners, thanks. 
Talk to you soon.